Part four, facing the dangers of polarization. This is a quotation by Andrew Powell, Group Chief Executive of Route to Work. We have been told that we are in a battle with a silent killer called COVID. As an ex-Special Forces soldier who has served in several global conflicts, I know that battle results in trauma and trauma needs to be understood and managed carefully. I do not feel that we have yet fully understood or recognised that when we send people back into the workplace, having been ensconced within this COVID battle for many months, some will be experiencing significant trauma that could be an equivalent of post-traumatic stress disorder. As a result, we have a duty of care to ensure that we all support them in navigating their way through this new normal. As June has gone on, and the gradual return to work has begun. The very different ways in which COVID-19 has affected us all have become more apparent. This sense of difference was present with us from our first project team meeting when Andrew Powell encouraged us to acknowledge the traumatic dimension to coronavirus. Andrew shared with us some of the lessons that he learned from his 11 years in the military, especially the ways in which the armed services support their own when they're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of conflict with the enemy. Whilst most of us readily agreed with the notion of COVID-19 as a collective trauma, one member of our group didn't and viewed this as something of an overstatement. Since then, we have found ourselves responding differently in how we interpret the wider challenges posed by the pandemic. As we have consulted with our wider network of CEO contacts, they have said exactly the same. When it comes to coronavirus, we all tend to strike rather different positions. This is because our personal circumstances are so very different, especially to do with our own health and our different degrees of fear about jeopardising the health of our families and closest friends. The issues that coronavirus raises are literally about life and death. It's hard to think of another issue that we have all faced that presses so many buttons in us so many ways. It's important to keep on reminding ourselves that the stress already caused by COVID-19 could convert into ongoing mental health issues for any of us, and this risk will be there for many months to come. We say this because there could be a reluctance among some leaders to acknowledge this truth when discussing with teams the steps that they need to take to regain a sense of momentum in their business post-lockdown. Many of those who are fearful at this moment would appreciate the opportunity to share their fears with colleagues. It can bring a team so much closer together when members feel able to articulate their fears and then find others showing sensitivity as they respond, appreciating the trust they have been shown in being open about their concerns and anxieties. In the swirling emotions that so many have experienced towards COVID-19, one thing is for sure is that fear of the virus itself can combine with a fear of unfair judgment to create a dangerous combination. The potential for polarisation seems to be greatest among home workers who are continuing to shield on behalf of themselves or a member of their immediate family, and the returners to the office taking what they regard as ongoing health risks they would not be taking if they had been given a free choice. Many of those returning to work in an office might fear that on each trip they could catch the virus and then pass it on to their family and close friends. 
They are bound to have mixed feelings towards others who are perhaps doing similar jobs and continuing to work from home, saying they wouldn't contemplate returning to the office for months to come. Similarly, those who continue to work from home can feel great resentment towards the idea that they are being judged ungenerously by others. Unknown to their HR department, they might have been self-shielding because they have a child or partner with serious underlying health conditions. In this sort of case, it's no surprise that an otherwise calm and steady employee should express deep rage if there is an implication that they should jeopardise the health of a loved one by coming into the office to show their face. The acknowledgement of trauma was also discussed. Viewed in this light, it is no surprise that when misunderstandings occur, the fallout can be very damaging for organisations unless the situation is handled with compassion and thoughtfulness. The trauma of COVID-19 is also bound to be impacting in a major way on some of the employees who have been furloughed and are now returning to work. Some might feel that they are having to prove their worth again and get stressed trying to demonstrate their indispensability to colleagues and managers. Others might well have lost some of the structure to their working day on furlough and find it genuinely difficult getting up to speed again. Their reintegration will require careful managing and for the process to succeed, the practice of a little curiosity on the part of others should count for a lot. One thing is for sure, is that coping with the stresses and tensions at this time in our lives requires us all to find ways of talking about them so that we take them out of those dark places in our minds where they can become quite sinister. As a member of our oversight team said, every now and again, we need to ask who feels they're going stir crazy. Most days someone is, and some days this feeling can take over the whole team. We all laughed when this was said, and then a hugely important point came out. If you can feel it, then you should say it. More than once that point has been made that some leadership teams have been really wound up in recent weeks and come across as uptight and prickly. Yet instead of acknowledging this and saying it's because things are pretty difficult and stressful at the moment, they've insisted that everything is fine and it's all business as usual. Leaders can't really expect everyone else to be real and share their fears and any lingering anger if they don't model this behaviour themselves. For us to support each other in managing the many strains and tensions that we all carry as a result of the pandemic, it will become incredibly important for leaders to be okay about sharing some of their emotions and vulnerabilities. Jenny Jarvis recently shared with us a story of when she returned to her office in central London with a small number of staff. We were all nervous on the first day back about the unknown, the travel and what it might feel like to be back in the office. However, at the end of the day, we all felt it had been a breath of fresh air and had really boosted our morale. We could all see a future with a blended approach where the staff value and appreciate the office for the benefit that it brings and value and appreciate being at home for those tasks that don't need that in-person collaboration. Jenny's story underlines the importance of creating the space for people to acknowledge how they're feeling. It also shows some optimism about organisations moving towards a blended model of work with employees having significant time working from home and working in the office. This optimism is largely shared by Emma Nichols, with a slightly different twist. Despite us living in a blended world, the world of work has in some ways been the last to jump on board. So many organisations haven't properly recognised the challenges and opportunities of a blended world, and the challenge now is to equip ourselves and our teams to deliver well in it.
This spirit of optimism is hugely important for giving leaders a sense of self-confidence that they need to draw out any feelings of resentment and intolerance so that they don't linger and possibly inflict ongoing damage on working relationships. This is why leaders need to be out there in making the case for greater empathy and understanding towards the different experiences of others. This should help a lot with depolarizing the sharing of emotions within teams. One of the reasons this is so important is because employers need to find ways of keeping discussions about office working and home working focused as much as possible on issues to do with business performance. Earlier in the report, we gave the example of a team saying they would like to remain as home workers despite a drop in their overall effectiveness in recent weeks. We suggested that some sort of team effectiveness review could help to flesh out the real issues and explore what would need to change in the team's homeworking arrangements to deal with their underperformance. Part of the idea behind this process is that it makes it a lot easier for you to argue for a team to be prepared to return to the office if they fail up to come up with any ideas for improving their performance as a group of home workers. Recently, we were told the story of a key team in a large organisation saying that the main reason their performance had been so disappointing during lockdown is because they are restricted to working from home. They miss the buzz and general collegiality that they experience when they are together in the same space and are convinced that they will only be able to raise their performance significantly once they are all back together in the office. So their proposition has been, if they are asked to improve their performances, the business needs to get on with bringing them back to the office rather than delaying and setting a date for their return to work because a number of other teams would prefer to remain as home workers. In this sort of case, it would surely be helpful to work with the team in exploring why their performance has dropped while they've been working from home and what sort of performance target they would expect to achieve once they are back in the office. In examining the reason for underperformance at home, are there any that are particular to the circumstance of lockdown? For example, parents of school-aged children who've been trying to organise homeschooling, as well as providing meals for elderly dependents shielding in a separate part of the house, are bound to be feeling stressed while taking on these additional family responsibilities, as well as trying to do a full-time job. It could be valuable to ask how they think their performance will be affected once their children are back at school and their elderly dependent is able to be more self-sufficient once again. If after going through such discussion, a team insists that their performance would improve significantly once they are back in the office together, it is difficult to see how a responsible employer could do anything other than respond to their challenge and track the impact on the team performance.